Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast, episode 42, Blade Runner 2049. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello, I am your host, Hugh Lloyd, and before I am joined by my fantastic co-host on this episode, let's check out the trailer for Blade Runner 2049. Every civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce. But I can only make so many. Shh. Happy birthday. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. The world is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. You're a cop. I had your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. The key to the future is finally unearthed. Bring it to me. They know you're here. told you you're special your story isn't over yet there's still a page left okay ladies and gentlemen and we are back and of course i am joined by none other than my partner in crime, our own Nexus 8, Mr. Leighton Winston. How the devil are you, sir? Um, a Nexus 8. <laughs> That's what they are. How do I know what they are? But I'm not that good, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think, we, you know, to be fair, we've, we've covered some heavy-duty films in the past. Mm. This is pretty heavy-duty, isn't it? Yeah, it's up there with um, Big Trouble Little China. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I, I don't think even on Watchmen we even began began to scratch the surface of what we could have talked about with that. However, this is this is big, isn't it? This is it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It? I mean, I remember the first watching it because it, obviously it took me a while to get around to actually watching this one, bizarrely. Even though I should have, you know, I this it I, I I'm a huge fan of the first one, um, but it took me ages for some reason to just get around to watching it. And watching it the first time, you just sort of you just sit there, kind of in awe. 
of what's in front of you. And then he was sitting down and watching this again. You just realise how good this film is. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big believer that this is one of those films that gets better every time you see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's not like... Um, it's not a film that you watch and you think, oh, my God, that's really good. It's a film that you watch. Well, I certainly did. And I thought, wow. It was genuinely a wow moment. Yeah, um, I mean, it's that sort of... It's a, it's a rarity, isn't it? Blade Runner 2049 is a rarity. It, yes, it is. Um Let's get into the long and the short of it. I'm going to get it out of the way right at the very beginning and then people can switch off. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I'm not a fan of the original Blade Runner. I think I've said it on previous podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I admire an awful lot about it. Um, it's, it's not... It's not um, it's, it's an astonishing film to look at. The soundtrack to it by Vangelis is absolutely breathtaking. Yes, yeah. Rut, Rutger Hauer, I don't think he's ever been better than what he was in that film. No, However, I think The Hitcher is the only thing that comes close. Possibly, possibly. Um, I just don't connect. To, I never, I've never connected with it because it's too um, emotionally detached. It doesn't engage. Um you know, some people will see that as a plus point to it. Uh, you yeah. know, to give yeah. to give the characters their um, the, um, their inhumanity. Then, but um, I bring up humanity an awful lot with films lately. I don't know why. Um, well, actually, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a theme at the moment. I mean, it's particularly when you look at horror and you look at science fiction. They are always um, they're always a great example of what is going on in the wider context of things. Yeah, yeah, you could be right there. Yeah, and I think actually, particularly, and sci-fi is a is an amazing way of telling stories um, about humanity, about mm. poverty, about politics, about about whatever's going on, and it's it, people are much easier, and you know, it's it's much easier for people to swallow a political message. Or um, an ideological message when it is um, when it's dressed up in a sci-fi guise. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, I think you're perfect. A perfectly valid point in fairness to you, um, but I think what, what what my connection with the original Blade Runner is is the you know um, I just I've never engaged. It's never connected with me. You know, I'm I think and I think the problem with um, why I've never connected it is it because at the end of the day there's Five fucking different versions, <laughs> and you know this is this is. The, no, I, I don't mean I don't I don't mean it as. Um, I, I just think, you know, we we we've, we've probably you've probably seen every version. I've only ever seen the original version, and I I, I think I bought yeah I did I bought um, the last version that came out two thousand and seven version. The, the the definitive yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, version yeah. you know there should have been some bracket this time I think I've really got it right yeah but you know um, I, I, look I, I know filmmakers sometimes are not satisfied with what, the, the, what they actually do eventually release for various reasons and various factors but yeah. the thing is um, tinkering with um, your, your films retrospectively you know sometimes can't um, be a good thing 
yes, George Lucas, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but, um, you know, when it says everything, seeing that, then yeah. I, I, well, I've Uncle George be... has a terrible habit of going back and playing with yeah. He doesn't really need to, does he? Yeah, and, and it uh, highlighted, where you are, in his retinkering, shall we say, the one film that he, he tinkered with the last was the most perfect one of all, wasn't it? The end yeah, of yeah, back. So, yeah. you know, but then he, he really didn't need to do it with a new hope. Um, Return of the Jedi, I think, is the worst out of the lot, you know, with, 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 <laughs> in terms of tinkering. It's just totally necessary. But um, going back to Blade Runner, I, I just, I like I said, I admire an awful lot about it, but I've, it's never connected with me personally. And here comes my fact... I think 2049 is a better film. Ooh, that is a big, bold statement. I personally do think it is better than the original. Um, a very rare film that betters the original. There are very few of them that actually do it. We can name, uh, you know, plenty off the top of our heads. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the aforementioned Empire Strikes Back. Um, Godfather Aliens, Part 2. Godfather Part 2. Um, you know, there, there are countless sequels out there. There are very few sequels that excel the original, and I personally think that 2049 does it. Yeah. And I I think in time people will come round to thinking that. Um, because Blade Runner is so ingrained in science fiction and science fiction lore that people just can't see the wood for the trees. Perhaps I've got that perspective because I'm not a, a massive fan yeah, of the original. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, if I'm wrong, so be it. I'm wrong. It's not the first time I've been wrong. It won't be the fucking last time I'm wrong. However, me personally, I think 2049 is a better film. So I, there, I said it. I think in terms of, I think actually, this is one of, the, and we did mention this really before we started recording, is... You can come to Blade Runner 2049 fairly cold and without the baggage of the first one. Because yeah. I don't... In some ways, you can become too bogged down in the mythos, in the lore, in, you know, the is Deckard a, repl a, 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 Deckard a replicant? Is, you know, what's the dream, you know... Do you, you know, this all goes back to the book, um, Do Androids Dream of Electronic Sheep? Mm, yeah. That book is a complete mindfuck to read. It is a uh, complete mindfuck. <laughs> well, true to form, who guess if I've read the book or not? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I can appreciate Philip K. Dick. I think he is an incredibly um, intelligent writer. Um, he takes his stuff. He takes his his work to a completely different level, um, but in doing so, I think he kind of alienates a lot of his readers. And I found that do I like, do Android Dream of? And I, I, I said this when I did the uh, the Blade Runner. I, I just there were moments when I was reading that book, I was going back and reading pages and pages. And pages. Maybe because I'm not too bright. Who knows? But there's that moment where you go in, what? And actually, he does answer the question about um, do androids dream of electronic sheep? And the answer is no, because they seem to be dreaming about tea, uh, toasted cheese sandwiches. <laughs> I've got that. I've written down <laughs> toasted cheese. <laughs> um, no, um, I think 
I think with science fiction out of that era, the 1960s, was it? Uh, yeah, the I 70s. So. Yeah. yeah. Every, I think sci-fi of that time, whereas, say, sci-fi of the, of the 40s and 50s was quite optimistic. I think the 60s and 70s made sci-fi uh, more dystopian, perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah. Perhaps a bit more bleak in its outlook. Yeah. Um, hence why... Blade Runner is taught is a rain drenched, um, dirty, um, <clears throat> monolithic buildings. You know everything sort of on top of each other. You know, yeah, and yeah. I, th- I think that was the, and I think that was you know conveyed. Like I said, it, it looked for a film when it came out. The way the look look the way it did is remarkable. Well, it's you know? it, it's not a film that's getting older. Actually, it's a film that's becoming more and more no. relevant. No, and the only thing that ever, I, the only thing I ever think that sort of ages films is haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know though. Well, you know, I, I, I don't mean, know because both, both you and I live in Aberdeen, and the mullet has hung on. <laughs> yeah. The mullet has hung on. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's still there's, there's still fuckers the, walking around that it's layered, it's dyed, it's yeah. fucking feathered. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've met Pat Sharp. He's fucking clinging to that shit at one point. <laughs> but, um... Watch out. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. I right? met him in Magaluf. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we are. That's one for the ages. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's a story no, but... that I will not tell on air. <laughs> Too late. Anyway, um, I think this is... Um, I've lost my train of thought now. I've totally lost my train of thought. Um... This is perhaps why um, twenty forty nine then just it, it it's in that universe. You can oh, yeah, see it's yeah. it's within that universe, even from the moment it starts. And let's look. Let's just say first as last. This film looks absolutely astonishing. Every single frame has been poured over. Oh, Roger Deakins, yeah. Roger, Roger Deakins, you know, he won every award conceivable for his, his cinematography in this film. And this and, the, and I think massive kudos, much score to production design as well, because yeah. it just it looks incredible. Every shot is sort of lingered on that little bit too no, I wouldn't say too much, but you know, every shot is just given the perfect amount of time. It's lovingly crafted, isn't it? There's, there's oh. not that sort of. It doesn't feel at the moment. You, you do, and this is what the one thing I get like about it. You don't get shaky cam. No. You don't get bags and bags. Of, you don't see like you know. It's not the cinematography in this. Is, I mean, he is in so many ways. It's classic filmmaking with <laughs> with a very very modern modern sheen. And I mean. It, I've got it played in the background view now. And right. at the scene that it's on at the moment is you've got where Kay has come home and he's there with his hologrammatic girlfriend. Yeah. And everything within that is, it's, you know, it, technically it's an incredible piece of filmmaking because you're dealing with somebody, you know, you can clearly see that she's a hologram. But at mm-hmm. no point can you see any of the any of the join. You know, nothing. Nothing feels disjointed, and no. everything feels real. Yeah, and this this is what this is leading on to another comment I made is that this, you know a lot is made about special effects and how in modern filmmaking they they're there to assist storytelling. Yeah, and I would you know the, the special effects in this they 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 seamless. They're yes, seamless and. Yes, you know, 
the one of the main characters of the film is a hologram, least we forget. Yeah, right? yeah. But the thing is, that hologram is the beating heart of the at the center of the film, almost. You know. Yeah. And, you know, and, and every everything is, is is so seamless, and for a film that has many. Um, shots of wide vis- vistas you know that yeah. open shot over california yeah right? yeah 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 right it's massive the intimate shots feel so intimate at the same time it's just well, looking spectacular i mean any shot in the wallace building for a start with the water effects changing around the background i mean and the, and the fact that you know it's everything is i mean it, and it, it's like an a, indication of his character's wealth as well the fact is all wood yeah yeah and you know it just it just looks amazing that shot, the, the the one shot near the end um when Kay is walking along the gangway and the, the big advert the yeah. joy advert approaches yeah. him and he's bathed in blue light you can see that he's he's physically where he's at a battering you know and his facial injuries and it just lingers on him and it just the blue against the black and you could it just looks it's an inc- it, 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 it is incredible and I mean you know let, let's dive into the numbers because I mean you know this is Blade Runner 2049 is you know directed by um, Denis Villeneuve um, yeah. I mean he has done some incredible films I mean I think I think we've said I mean, that we're massive fans really yeah I mean Prisoners fans. from 2013 is is a, is a brilliant film it's, it's a brilliant tremendous. film it's, it's so good and I gotta be honest. The first time I watched it, I was like, "My God!" And then I then I realized, "Oh my God!" Two and a half hours have just gone by. You know? well, yeah, I, I, and the other thing as well, you've, you've got Wolverine in it, right? And to be fair to Hugh Jackman, Hugh ja- people forget that Hugh Jackman is a very, very well-rounded actor. Yes. Um, I mean, you look at his stuff. You know, people. You know, people see him as most people see him as Wolverine. People, yeah. you know, but then you also, you know, they all seem, you know, uh, all singing, all dancing, sparkly, uh, sort of the showman from the, obviously, you know, his latest, uh, P.T. Barnum, The Greatest Show. I haven't seen it. No, same as me. I not interested. No, don't not give a shit. Like this. No, don't give a shit. Call. I mean, nope. when, if anybody gets the, it's, you know, it's out on DVD and it, it's a true sh- sign of how, what a great actor and a great performer he is. Is yeah. have a look at him in Oklahoma, Trevor Nunn's production at the National Theatre. It is stunning. He's absolutely breathtaking in it because everybody sees Oklahoma as Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the play and gingham. And the, but actually, what um, it does, and he does it, it does it so well, is that yes, you got this Rogers and Hammerstein story, but it's a very very dark story. It's fairly rapey at points. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it, it is true. Um, but actually, two or three generations down the line, these people are the Grapes of Wrath. Mm. They are the Amisa Men generation. They're the descendants of that. And his performance in that is absolutely breathtaking. And then you see him in Prisoners, mm. and he gives an actor's he gives a screen actor's performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a tremendous film, Prisoners. Um, you know. I haven't seen Enemy, if I'm honest, with um, Jake Jill and all. But I, I know I haven't have, seen Enemy, uh, and people have said to me it's brilliant. But then he made Sicario, arguably oh. one of the best thrillers released in the last ten, it's fifteen, just, twenty years. It's just, I, like, I watched it the other day, and it is, you know, it is breathtaking. 
Oh, it's immense. It's absolutely immense. I'm, I'm looking forward to the sequel. It's, that's due out imminently, isn't it's it? Out. Uh, it's out this week. It's out this week. It's, it's, it's out this week. Which apparently is very good. It's not the original, but apparently it's very good. So uh, that's that's always something to look forward to. Um, and I think we've talked about Arrival. Arrival. Previously. And I use the thing. And I think this is something that... And I have viewed people, you know, critics of Blade Runner and critics of Arrival sort of say, oh, it's the, you know, it's it, it's slow, it's ponderous, it's, you know, there's not, I, I thought it was going to be an action for, you know, all this type of... However, no. what, what he does, uh, Villeneuve creates, which is a total, total rarity, is he creates grown-up adult <coughs> science fiction. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that is that is based in reality. And what one of the things that I always think is a mark of a good of a, of a film that will be revered and, and being a classic, you take aside how just how beautiful his films look. Yeah, you take take all that away. If you can come out of a, out, out of out of out of the darkness when you come in blinking back into the light of the you know after you've been watching a film, and then you start asking asking questions. Yeah. And I, I think I think we've said previously that we we prefer films that are not spoon fed to us. Yeah, you know, you you actually be like an adult. Exactly, exactly. And he he very much makes films like that. Um, it'll be it's fascinating um, to see what he does with Dune. It really will be fascinating. <laughs> Do you think because... we'll be coming back? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, he carried a pug into battle. <laughs> he hugged the main protagonist in the most awkward way ever. Man drunk um, must not touch. Yeah, yeah. Sting won't be in it. <laughs> uh, Apparently, back, Sting is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, and that is, ladies and gentlemen, we've already talked about uh, David Lynch's. Dune or Alan Smythe's <laughs> Dune. If you'd want to go back, episode whatever number it is, you know, and yeah. you hear our thoughts on it then. Somebody um, tweeted me the other day, uh, Sting is shit. See, the people are catching on eventually. Yeah. They're catching yeah. on, yeah. Uh, back to the numbers. Back yeah, to the I, numbers. Mean, I mean, this has got, you know, it was... Uh, the screenplay by Hampton Fanshire and Michael Green. Michael Green is a clever, clever guy. Clever, I, clever guy. Well, I might counter that argument right off the bat and say <laughs> that he he was one of the twenty eight writers involved in Green Lantern. Yeah, <laughs> look, we all got, we've all got ghosts in our closet somewhere. Yeah, I know. My um, uh, my my son used to love watching Green Lantern, and <laughs> I just was. Aghast at the sheer shittiness of it all. I mean, it yeah. did have it did have some good ideas. I'm not saying otherwise. And Ryan Reynolds is uh, Ryan Reynolds, but the film as a whole, just it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess, it and is, it looks like yeah, shit on the screen. It does. It, it does. And well, it's crap. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but he had a bit of a well. 2017 for him, bloody hell. Some of the films he was involved in, goodness gracious me. I think when he's on form, he's on form, isn't he? Well, I mean, he was. He did uh, Murder on the Orient Express, Logan. Yeah. Um, he was the one of the screenwriters for the American Gods TV show. Yeah. Um, which I still haven't seen. It's, um, 
Do you know what I would say to you? I would, I, I would even counter this. Don't go and read the book, right? Right. Because the book, the book is amazing. It's, it, listen to the audio book of American Gods because Neil Gaiman reads it. Right. Right. And Neil Gaiman has got one of the most amazing voices ever. It's quite hypnotic when you when you when he's re, you know because he, he, when he's reading, and it works unbelievable. It's totally immersive. And then go back. And watch the TV series, but the audio, right. you can get it on Audible. Um, well, it's well worth it. He um, he also was involved with um, with the Ridley Scott link, um, Alien Covenant. Um, all right, which, let's take uh, let's take it all back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I confess, I haven't seen because I fucking hated Prometheus. Oh, that's really a bold statement. I didn't enjoy it in any. I didn't get. I didn't get. I didn't get. I didn't get Prometheus. There was there was certain parts of it I did like. I thought um, Fastbender's um, was it David yeah. the character. Yeah, yeah, I thought that yeah. was brilliant. That was brilliantly done. Um, I, I thought there was other aspects of it that just didn't. Sit. No, and I, what I love about Fastbender's character is he's clearly playing Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 not a bad analogy, actually. But um, yeah, Alien Alien Covenant just didn't. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I was able to procure it at a certain particular point. Maybe it was too soon for a general release. <laughs> um, I got about ten minutes in, and it was just like I just I'm not. And I mean, and it's not like me. I just turned it off. I thought, no, this, I, I just can't. I'm not in. The, I'm not. I'm just not in the zone for it. I, I, I don't know what. Uh, Prometheus probably had a big part to play in me not wanting to see it. But when I saw the trailers, and I saw Danny McBride in it, and I was like, I like Danny McBride. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, yeah, I do like yeah. Uh, Eastbound and Down was an amazing TV show. So funny. Have so, you seen Principles? So, principles yeah yeah i i i sort of thought it was the same thing but, but I, I i love walton goggins yeah <laughs> he's brilliant but yeah i saw the trailer and i was like daddy brides an alien film i was all right okay um crud ups in there as well yeah he, he is yeah, yeah 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 but like i was watching the trailers and i was just like what it is seems trying too hard yeah i tell you what is interesting the fact that danny mcbride is involved in the writing of the new halloween film and yes, he is. Yeah, the trailers is, yeah. for that look awesome. It looks really good in fairness. It does look really, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really good. I'm holding my breath because I've been hurt before with uh, uh, with Halloween films. Um, you know, I am a Rob Zombie apologist. I am. I am a Rob Zombie apologist. But y- you're... Uh, I, I, uh, I wouldn't even entertain them if I'm honest. So. Hall- his first Halloween, it's not... John Carpenter's Halloween. It's his own very, very take, take on it. And mm. it's okay. Mm. The second one sucks donkey balls. It is just, <laughs> it's just fucking awful. <laughs> awful. Awful. Yeah. But um, JC's doing the music for that as well, isn't he? He is, and he's, and he's got a producing credit, and he's been, you know, from what we can gather is he's been involved. Yeah, um, and they've even got Nick Castle back to play the shape to play Michael Myers. Right. So right. obviously he's played by multiple uh, yeah. actors because obviously Nick Castle's knocking on a bit now, but yeah. the shape is there. Um, 
Well, we have to wait and see, isn't it? You know, because it certainly bodes well from that perspective, I suppose. Yeah, but um, yeah. But I mean, stuff. yeah. Back to this one. I mean, this I, and this is the other. It's 163 minutes Blade Runner 2049, and it flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Um, and I think, I think we It's going to come about very, very shortly. I think anyway, right? But the thing is, the cast is massive in this. When you think that, oh, it's you huge. know. It, you know, it's sold as, you know, your two main protagonists, uh, Kay and Deckard. Um, but the thing is, there are so many other parts to the whole um, that contribute greatly well, to this you, film. I mean, use the cast. I mean, use just, just, just sort of the main, what I would consider to be the main body of the cast. So you've got Ryan Gosling, you've got Harrison Ford, you've got Anna D. Armares, uh, Armares, sorry, uh Sylvia Hoax. Robin Wright, uh, Mackenzie Davis, Carla Jury, uh, Lenny James, Dave Batista, and Jared Leto. You've missed out two. Who have I missed? David Dastmamain, I can't even pronounce his surname, I apologise, as Coco, the um, patho- pathologist. Yes. And the detective, Nandez, who is... Wood Harris, who is Avon Barksdale in the wire. <laughs> and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Connections to the wire, part 48. Well, the other one, and I mean, of course, you know, we got other people who pop up in this. You, you got uh, Edward James, uh, almost oh, yeah. from, uh, he's such a good actor. Yeah. He's Evo? such a good actor. Yeah, and I tell you, when I rewatched it doing this, I totally forgot about um, Barker and Abdi. Yes. Most people remember from Captain Phillips, you yeah. know, saying, I'm the captain now. You know, but he's, he's, he's a Look he's at remember- me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a brilliant. He, I find him fascinating to look at, you know, because he's, he's, quite, he's quite a small man. And he, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. You can, you can almost see um, a pent up aggression in him, yes. isn't there, you know? When yeah. it- <coughs> Excuse uh, me. Lenny, like you said, Lenny James is in this. Yeah. Um, great British actor. Great, great, great British actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it goes on and on and on and on and on. I, I will say that um, Dave Batista again shows tremendous acting chops. Do you know what I love? And this is the thing, right? Dave, you can't hide it. It's a bit like Arnold, isn't it? Right, right. Yeah. Dave Batista is a beast of a guy. <coughs> he is huge. I think I think I think the term is a bit of a unit, isn't it? You know, he is, a BOU. He, he is fucking huge now, and he's knocking on a bit now. He's no he's no, he's no spring chicken. No, no. But he's you know in what? Mid fifties is he? Early 50s? 50, I think he's early fifties. But here's the thing: in this, when you see him at the beginning <coughs> of it, he looks his age. Yeah, yeah. He probably looks older as well, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, and like, he's got the little glasses on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unlike my bloody Joe 90 uh, <laughs> bins that I got on at the minute. Yeah. Um, but he, that fight scene is bone crunching. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. But then <clears throat> it's offset with, you know, um, with, 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 when, um, what does he say? Um, you've never witnessed a miracle before. Yes, yeah. You know, it's, and it's repeated, isn't it? You know, you, you haven't witnessed a miracle um, but you know, it's he's he's, he's just he, well, his presence itself is enough. But you know, it's it just his demeanour and whatnot. Yeah, um, he's he's remarkable. He really is, and it's, it's surprising for a character that's only in it for what, what three three four minutes. Yeah, it? but two, yeah, you it's know, about that. 
Yeah, and you know, he's he's he's, he's constantly referenced back to. Yeah, the, and I mean the other thing as well with this film, they, there are three animated shorts as well to this film uh, yeah. that fill in the gaps, and yeah. his character appears strongly. Um, and is mentioned, you know, within those things. So, you know, in terms of the universe, he does, you know, he plays a fairly, you know, a hefty, a hefty role in it. Now, mm. this film was made for 185 million, and it took 259.2 million at the box office. Yeah. Now, yes, it made you know more than his money back. Um, and but I do think it does suffer from. Uh, the curse of the original, and also the uh, the idea that it's going to be difficult to watch. Yeah, and was, a le- and you know, and at one hundred and sixty three minutes, people will go to the cinema and go, "Ooh, yeah." Um, we both were guilty of not going to see it in the cinema, weren't we? Yeah, um, something that we cried about <laughs> when we did actually watch it at home on your tv of various sizes and you go wow and it's and then to think why didn't i go and see on the biggest screen i could possibly find yeah. and you know just sit there and bathe in the glory of what you're actually seeing you know um it, 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 and to be honest with you you alluded to already i think um there are those people who would have gone and seen it, you know, because of the history of Blade Runner, um, who were invested in it. Um, and I think, I think this, a stumbling block would have been if you, if you weren't interested, would this film have been sold to you then? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, despite the, 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 the cast being as, as massive and varied as it is. You know, there are people out there who, just, who go to see films just because of certain people being in them. Yeah, they, and know? I mean, you know, let's be fair. When we look at the cast, uh, I mean, Ryan Gosling in this, people can sort of, have kind of attributed to him a sort of honest, they, they kind of, you do feel that people do beat him with the Keanu Reeves stick sometimes, that he doesn't do an awful lot. And he's sort of, he, he's very, very, people can accuse him of being a bit wooden at times. I, but, actu- uh, but actually, his performance is is mesmerizing. He's absolutely brilliant in this film. He's stoic. He's pensive. Um, well, he's, ha- he's hard as nails. But he, do you know what he is? I mean, this is <laughs> this is this is well, what I think. I and I sort of think back to his. He's, he's a heroic. Yeah, he is, and he's human. Which is odd because he's not. Yeah, but there's a, there's a line that Robin Wright says to him, isn't there? Something about um, you're lucky you, you don't, don't have, have a soul, yeah. you know. You know, but yet he has that that word again, humanity in him. Yeah, you know, and you know, and just it just exudes this. Um, well, there is, you know, there is just there's an innocence about him, isn't there? There is a there is that sort of. Yeah, he is. He, he is. The, you know, he is your quintessential hero. Yes, he is. Like you said, he's he has all the virtues because he's going to do the right thing when ev- everything says to him not to. Yeah, he still does it, and I mean, he sort of. The, and in that scene, actually, where Robin Wright says to him, "You know, you don't have a soul," 
you register on his face. A, a, you can clearly see he is hurt. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the aforementioned sequence when the, the, he's on, um, he makes the decision to go and rescue Deckard, doesn't he? Yes. When he's on, when he's bathed in the blue light, you know, you can register on his face that he's going to yeah. take matters into his own head. He's going to do the right thing. Yeah. And you can see it. And it's not like um, it's not like a simmering rage. It's a case of, I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. And it, it conveys it tremendously. It really is. I, I, I got to be honest. Um, I think he's made some brilliant films. Personally, I think Drive is one of the um, is a modern classic. Yeah, just, I like. I, yeah, it hands down. It is a modern classic. Um, I hated La La Land with every bit of my being. That, that is, <laughs> but that that isn't down to him or Emma Stone for for, for a fact. I just fucking hated the film I hated it I tell you what I did really enjoy with him in his nice guys I've got nice guys I own nice guys (laughs) nice guys is brilliant it's such a funny such a brilliant film they're such Such, yeah (laughs) it's just totally inept totally totally inept Um, speaking of the nice guys the Predator trailer oof Oh, the first trailer came out, man. I was like, oh, I don't know. Do you know, I kind of had a touch of Alien versus Predator feel to it. Yes, I would completely agree with you there. But then the second trailer came out, and it's a case of, no, no, no. This is an adult Predator film. Yeah. And it's got a young boy in it, you know, and all the rest. But no, no, no. This is sweary McSweary time, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah completely. It, Shane, Black, Shane Black has gone, no, no, no. We're making a predator film. Yeah, we, we we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Now, what did you think of Only God Forgives? Um, um I'm trying to remember if I did watch it. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's the answer, really, isn't it? I I think no. I I did watch it, and I just because it was made, it was made by the same guy who made Drive, was Nicholas Wendon Refn. Yeah, 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 and. I think it was, when it was released, it was divisive at the time, wasn't it? You know, some people were expecting Drive Part 2, despite the fact that this was clearly set in Thailand, yeah. in the, like the, the Thai underworld, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a bizarre film. Yeah. It's would, a bizarre would, one, and it's sort of... Yeah, and... Do you know, you know, what, know, what, I, do you know what my problem is with Nicholas Wendon Refn? I think, he's, I think he thinks he's all a bit clever, and he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Do you think he's trying to be like Lars von Trier? What a cunt! <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't have ever have said that. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, no, I'm not. No, um, no. Um, do you know what I mean? He, he, he likes to make a bold statement. Then shall we say? Do you know what? I have a real problem. Do you know what I? <sighs> One of my favourite saying is, if you think you're the shit, you need to be the shit. Right? And if we look at uh, at Villeneuve, he is is the shit. He makes very, very bold films that are visually stunning. But not only are they visually stunning, there is a a story that flows through it. There Mm. is unbelievable acting throughout and it's all pieced together drive works absolutely incredibly well 
on it's in in, in oh, you know it's the, it's the it's the classic western isn't it on that sort of yeah the man you know the silent hero and it works yes. perfectly well yeah 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 second time round you've got these beautiful images and nothing else yeah um yeah and i i just I, I, well, there's the point in being then. I couldn't remember whether I'd seen it because it didn't make an impression on me. No, no. And, and I, mean, I think, I thinking about it, I, I have seen it. I have seen it, but I just didn't think anything about it. You know, it's like the Neon Demon. The Neon Demon is terrible. Oh, I just... It's garbage. It's, gar- it's absolute garbage. And I know people out there like it, and that's absolutely fantastic. And it's only my opinion. It's my humble... Yeah. But the Neon Demon is garbage. It's absolutely... Yeah. It's, it's, you know... Yeah. However, Valhalla Rising is a really underrated film. Really, really underrated film. But all too clever. Well, we'll have to discuss Lars von Trier again then. <laughs> just, we're not going to do it now. No, it now. no, no. I just, can't, I just can't get my... You know, don't get me wrong. He has moments. He has brilliant... And he's a very, very clever man. But I just can't... <laughs> Yeah, he's got a film coming out with. Um, oh, it's about a hit, um, about a serial killer. I can't think who's in it. Is it Dancing in the Dark? No, no, that's no, no, bloody... not Dancing in the Dark. That was the Bjork one. That's right. That's there the we Bjork. are. Right, come on, come on. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to watch it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Last one, Tria. You know, he's clearly a very, very intelligent man, and you know, but. When you're making film nymphomaniac, again, I couldn't bring myself to I, no, and I and I just can't. You know, uh, it's you know the Antichrist. You know, again, couldn't bring myself it's, to. It's like, and I know, like he's intentionally trying to be provocative. The house that Jack built, starring Matt Dillon and Uma Thurman. <laughs> Apparently, it is grim. Yeah, Grim. you know, and if you're going to, you know what I mean? If you're going to be provocative, if you want to be provocative, fine, that's great. But, you know, when you start naming your films Antichrist and Nymphomaniac, mm. and, then yeah. you're, and then you're tarting it all up within the artsy-fartsy kind of way. Look, essentially you were making an exploitation film, and we could go right down the route of saying that all, all, all cinema, darling, is exploitation. Yeah, but actually, but... go fuck yourself. I'm not really interested. Um, and if you've got a problem with it, go fuck yourself. Um, Blade Runner 2049. Yes, let's get back to Blade Runner 2049. I may be you're swiftly being taken off Lars von Trier's Christmas card list. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right. Gosling is out of the way, right? That's it now. Um, Harrison Ford. Indy. Harrison Ford. So, Indy, you know. Han Solo, Deckard. Um... The guy in witness. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, Lang. John um, Buck. John Buck. Um, Jack Ryan. Jack um, Ryan. The Harrison president Ford. in Air Force One. The president in Air Force One. I've got a, I've got a very old friend who despises the film Air Force One with every ounce of his being. <laughs> and I said to him, I don't understand your hatred towards him, towards it. And he just said, I just can't abide that film. And he said, it makes me physically angry. And that, that just, <laughs> plus, I just don't get it. But anyway, um, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, at this time, um, 
Harrison Ford went through a little bit of a, a, a lull, didn't he? He wasn't box office, despite being one of the biggest box office stars for the last, God, you, you go for it, 50 years perhaps, right? Yeah. Um, he went through a bit of a period where, you know, he chose, he chose his films um, sparingly. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and, then, and then he gets a check waved in front of him to, for, to, if, if, if the facts are believed to be for 25 million to go and make another Star Wars film. Yeah. And, you know, quite rightly, I would have bitten their hands off too, if I'm honest. 50 quid, I would have been there. Yeah, yeah. But I also, I'm a, I'm a big believer as well, is that Harrison, Harrison Ford probably went to J.J. Abrams, right? And I don't know if I've, I've said this to you before. I wouldn't mind letting, right, if you want me in a Star Wars film, you've got to kill Han Solo off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer. You know, he came out in the past saying that he thought the character should have been killed off in the best strikes back. Um, it didn't happen. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that when uh, it went back under the umbrella um, of Lucasfilm and making the new films, and they've gone, right, we want the original cast back. We can yeah. get Carrie, we'll get Carrie Fisher for a couple of million, Mark Hamill for a couple of million, despite the fact he's one senior doesn't say anything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> kudos to him. Um, but then, nice work the, if you can get it. Yeah, but then he's fantastic in the last year. That you saw, yeah, great. Yeah, he is. Um, but you're going to get Han Solo back. You're going to have to kill him off. There's no two ways about it. Uh, and yeah, it's funny because. I've heard rumours, right, that apparently there was a fourth Indiana Jones film as well, but I, well, I don't recall. Well, it's, it's, it's I don't in development. I don't... Oh, no, fifth one, sorry, that. there's going to be a fifth one. A fifth one? I didn't even know that there was a fourth one existed. Is there a fourth? Where are we going with it? Because i got to be honest, I can't... Yeah. I mean, he... Um, i, I got to be honest, like, for a film that advertises, um, and this is probably kudos to Denis Villeneuve, the film is advertised as Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford isn't in this film for the best part of an hour and 20 minutes. No, I were and 40 shows up. Well, there you are, hour 40, right? <laughs> and you've, you've sold that film to everybody as Harrison Ford being De- Rick Deckard. Yeah. And yeah, he is Rick De- Deckard. He's a very much older Rick Deckard. Yeah. <coughs> but, but I will say, he is really good in fairness to him. He gives he a genuine acting performance. Yes. And... There are times, I mean, you know, let's be fair, he has made some absolute stinkers, right? Hollywood homicide. I knew that was going to be the one you mentioned. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. K-19, the Widowmaker, his Russian accent. Is that the one with Liam Neeson? Yes. Directed by Catherine Bigelow? I think so. Haven't seen it. I've tried to to erase it from my mind. (coughs) You know, he, he, he sort of goes from being sort of Indiana Jones to being Count Dracula. I think I tried to watch Ender's Game, one with Ben Kingsley. Oh, yeah. I think, I, think I, I tried. Look, Orson Cardwell, Cardwell wrote the book. Um, and the book is is very controversial. Um, somewhat right-wing. Um, very much in the, in, in the vein of uh, Starship Troopers. Um, but the the book, the, the film is is just... Is <laughs> oh, you know there anyway. But when Harrison Ford has got a strong director with him, and some, and he's on form, he's superb. And yeah. 
in this, he his Deckard in the first one uh, is fairly broken and is a very damaged. You can clearly see he's a damaged, damaged. You know, I'm going to say person because you know, is he? Isn't he? Uh, we've all got an idea. No, no, he's not. He's human, and I will argue it every day of the week with you. <laughs> no, well, I, no, I think I've, he. I think he's a replicant. I don't. I never have. And that's because there are lots of there's, the, and it all stems from um, Gaff, the character Gaff, Edward James, uh, almost his character, mm. where at the end he leaves the unicorn, or the yeah. first one. And I know we said we were not going to get bogged down in the law, but this is the only bit I am going to sort of. He leaves the unicorn. How does he know about his dream? Because the dream is an implant. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in this one, he says there's a look in his eye. Not eyes. It's a look in his eye. Now, part of the test that they use, now obviously they use the Voicom test to sort of... Yeah. Uh, but the new test that they use is the look in their eye. Yeah. Hence why the leader of the sort of replicant resistance has popped their own eye out. Yeah. You know, and that, and this is the thing, and for me, and it kind of goes to the to the heart of the heart of the film is that this is a film, and um, we said about humanity. This is a film about humanity told from the perspective of people who were not human, right. and actually, what makes this all the more powerful is that they are they are more human than human. And that's the line, that's, isn't it? This is more human. Yeah. And it's and yeah, it's a, yeah. and it, it's a film about human, you know, about what it is to be human. What is human? What makes yeah. you human? And there's a really clever guy um, called Timothy Shanhattan, and he's a philosopher. He's a lecturer and philosopher, and he he talks about um, about Blade Runner and and and, and uh, twenty forty nine and. He says about what does it mean to be human. He talks about like, and I'm, he talks about the film conveys the idea that a simple diagnostic criteria tells you that you were human. So you're able to take a test, and it says you were human. But actually, being human is far more than just a bit of sort of diagnostic criteria. That you know, it's not just like an objective fact that you know the world. You know, we, we are more than those parts. We are more than just saying we have a, a beating heart. We have a conscience. We have a soul. We have all this type of thing. Now, mm. that's not to say that being human, you know, there are far, you know, there are lots of different elements to sort of say, or talk about humanity and what have you. But we are actually more than a social construct. We are, we are an embodiment of certain virtues philosophies feelings experiences emotions and whether those implants of thoughts and everything else everything else builds from those and that the idea that being human gives us this sort of um we're able to do the right thing and that by virtue makes you more human. So that this idea that this robot, this replicant, like so if K for you know K or K slash Joe decides that actually the right thing to do 
is to go against all my programming because obviously the new replicants, even though they've got the ex- open-ended life, they are programmed to be subservient uh-huh. and not uh-huh. tell lies. Yeah. He exercises free will. And it's that idea that humanity or, you know, and, and people will, and again, it gets into an even deeper argument that we won't go on to this one, but do we have free will? Um, which is a fairly big debate about sort of determina- determina- determinism, um, that everything is predetermined and we just sort of motor along that highway or that we have free will and we have control over it. And I think what this is, is a film about non-humans displaying more humanity and actually being human. It is, you know, by displaying free will. Yeah, um, my head now hurts. Um, <laughs> no, so no. I've, called, I've gone from calling somebody a cunt to talking about free will no, and determinism. <laughs> no, you were you were you were right in what you said. I, I do completely agree. Uh, one thing I think you you missed out is probably um, people are influenced by their environments as well, aren't they? You know, but, that, well, and, yeah, this, yeah. and that's a really good example because when we look at the character of love, mm. um, that is she is and and Sylvia Hooks her portrayal of quite possibly one of the most psychopathic characters. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, this, this, that, that leads quite nicely to a point that I wanted to bring up about um, the, the, the violence in the film. Um, it's not, it's not constant far from it. It's, you know, but the violence therein is violent. It's real. It, yes, it's real, real. And um, I, you, I, um, the, the the death of Coco, the um, pathologist, is you know the the, that, yeah. the, the the chop to the back of the neck yes. that instantly breaks his neck and he hits the floor, and by the time he hits the floor, his eyes are bleeding and he's bleeding from the, from his ears and whatnot, you know, and it's 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 ever so quick, isn't it? Yeah, it's not it's not a particularly long scene, but oh my god, it's like the impact thereof is quite yeah. resonating, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, when she assaults Kay, it's brutal, you know. Yeah. Um, and did you pick up on the single tear? Whenever she gets emotional or she yes, kills somebody, yeah. there is a single tear. Yeah, yeah. Um, when the um, she's in the room when uh, Wallace kills the newborn, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the, the tear rolls down her face then, doesn't it? Because she's witnessing the violence. Yeah. And I mean, she's, and it's almost, she has like this sort of Oedipus complex with Wallace, where she sort of, you know, she's, you know, she clearly sees him as her father, but clearly yeah. she, you know, she's quite, she, she's in love with him and wants to jump his bones. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, um, Villeneuve talks about when they, about, one one of the reasons why she has that single tear is, is that when she kills somebody, there is that massive internal battle going on with inside mm. her, um, and that she knows that she shouldn't do it. Yeah, but she does it. I mean, yeah. the, the scene where she kills, and, and again, we're, you, know, you know this spoilers, people. You know this spoilers. Um, <laughs> where she kills uh, Lieutenant Joshy Robin Wright's character. Yeah, and she crushes the glass in her hand. Yeah. Ow. Ouch. Ouch. Ow. Very much ouch. Owie, owie, owie. <laughs> yeah, very, very much ouchy. And then when he picks, she picks her up to use her eye <laughs> and just hits her, and like she just lets her go and she hits her head. Yeah, yeah. 
it's and this is what I mean you know it's it's like you said it's real isn't it and it's 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 um fl- it's unflinching and yeah um and he beats the piss <laughs> out of Ryan Gosling yeah. he beats the shit out of him yeah yeah um I must mention the um if you ever go back and watch Harrison Ford in the fight scenes, he's got a very particular way of punching. Yes, he and has. Yeah, and he and he gives a couple of classic uh, bombs in this. In fairness, I, I don't know if you're aware, you might have seen it. There's when they were filming the um, the sequence in the um, theater. Yes, with the, with the, with the Elvis, with the, and the Elvis yeah. and Liberati and yeah. Marilyn Monroe and whatnot. During that sequence, um, they'd rehearsed it and practice and practice and practice, so they had their movements down. Harrison Ford did actually connect with Ryan Gosling, yeah, prop, proper, proper connected to the point where Ryan Gosling was actually like, Oh my god, he's proper caught, me there, yeah, you know. I mean, I've been there, um, where fight choreography goes badly wrong, um, and I've had my hand broken on stage, um. <sighs> I was doing um, Macbeth, and uh, yeah, yes, I've done a lot of Shakespeare. Yes, uh, I know. I, I am aware of your thespian uh, tendencies. Tendencies. Yeah. Uh, my thespatorial, uh, yeah. And I was playing uh, Macduff, and obviously we had the big sword fight. And we did it all in period costume. It was amazing, actually, because we did it at Cavartha Castle, and at the oh, end right, right, right. it started raining. So we were using um, we were using uh, medieval broadswords, proper broadswords, um, and as because it was raining whilst we were fighting, there were sparks coming off the blade. <laughs> but no, and all, do you know what I was thinking? Highlander. I was living my Highlander fan- fantasy. Anyway, the violence in this film is very, very real, and v- you feel it. Yeah, yeah, you feel um, it. Yeah, it's um, it's brutal. It is it is brutal. You know, the, the fight with um, uh, Sparta Morton and um, Kay at the beginning is is quite you know intense. Um, fight sequences thereafter, you know, there's um, there's not loads of it like we said, no, but no. Um, they are quite brutal. Uh, the end fight um, between Kay and Love is quite. Intense, she you know. just beats the snot out of it, and it and, yeah. and when he's strangling her, actually, yeah, that is that is a re- that that's a very visceral thing, isn't it? To yeah. hold somebody under the water and then yeah. to be watching them, yeah, as, as the, the, the life is ebbing out to them, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's quite quite intense. It's really quite intense. Um, we need to discuss um, an actor in this. Um, who, to some, is wildly divisive. Oh, um, uh, uh, somebody who may have played somebody with a bit of a grin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, right, let's get out. Let's, let's, let's have a conversation. <laughs> let's have a conversation about him, right? Um, for some reason, he's... Um, and we're talking Jared Leto, people. So let's, yes, we are let's, let's get it done. Yeah. Um, for some reason, of late, um, there seems to be a lot of vitriol, shall we say, associated to him. Um, I don't think he helps himself sometimes. Um, no, no. Um, 
um, I, I've always thought he's a, a very good actor. Um, I thought he was tremendous in Requiem for a Dream. Um, he was in Fight Club, you know. I thought he was good, yeah. in, good, good in Fight Club, you know. Um, he won award after award for Dallas Buyers Club. Um, quite, yeah. and he, he, he's brilliant. Uh, he's really good. Um, offset against, you know, Matthew McConaughey, who again was really good. Did he deserve the Oscar? I don't think so. I thought he should have gone to DiCaprio for the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That's my, but that's my thoughts on me. But no, he's he's um, he seems to have a lot of vitriol um, sort of pointed at him. Um, I think possibly down to the fact that he's an internationally internationally. Oh God, come on, they tease back in. Um, he's in a very successful rock band. Well, this is the thing, and he makes himself a target, doesn't he? You know, not, right. yeah. And people don't like, and you know, it's fair, and I've never ever suffered this. People do not like good looking, successful people who play, <laughs> you know, not only are they in some of the most influential films of their time. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, I think it's fair to say the Requiem, we, we mentioned last one, Requiem for a Dream, yeah. is just. Yeah. What, 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 what did we say? It should be shown. It should be shown to every secondary school. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. even the thought of it, I can actually hear my inner child whimpering. Yeah. I'd yeah. sort of. I'd uh, yeah. for a dream. Fight, fight, fight club, fight club. Is, is 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 just a monolith of a film. It's just fight club. I think just came out from left field and just floored everybody before it. Oh, it's you know you know and it. You know, you know. So he's worked with Daronofsky. He had Daronofsky. Daronofsky, yeah, Daronofsky. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> you know, Daronofsky, man. His mum used to own the own the news agent. Used to do the do the football stickers. Remember, uh. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> David Fincher. I'm on a lot yeah. of painkillers, you people. You got to bear with me. Honest. You know, he. You know, he. He's now. You know, he's in Blade Runner 2049. He's worked with Fincher. He's. You know, he's been involved in Oscar-winning films. He's. In a successful rock band, and he plays the Joker. Yeah, he he had the an enviable task of playing a character that, and I, you know, we can all say it with one hundred one hundred percent assuredness that was defined by somebody who sadly passed away. Yeah, you yeah. will never you will never see a better incarnation of that character again. No, no, and um, I don't think you cut. I don't think um, whoever whoever was going to be going to take that role on. I yeah. think it's unfair to say that they would be able yeah. to. Um, I, I think as well. Um, whoever was going to was going to have to do their own thing. Um, simply because of the nature of the character, um, it was it was it's was going to have to be its own thing. Having said that, he's part of a film which is a mess. Isn't, is a mess. Isn't particularly good to begin with. No, um, there are some highlights to it, and I think it's um, fair to say I, he is the highlights in it. Uh, I, he's, I, got, he's, he's all right. He's all right. He's not. He's not in it for, for much, to be honest, to make that much of an impression. But um, 
you know, it, the automatic thing that any film viewer or watcher or fan would automatically do is compare him to Heath Ledger's Dark Knight Joker. No. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a completely unfair comparison because, no, you, you, you know, you can't compare the two. And you can't no. compare the two universes. No, no. And, you know, um, Suicide Squad as a whole is just shambles. Yeah, it was a shambles. I mean, every advertising poster had, well, I don't know, what is it, the eight, nine characters or yeah. what it is. One of them is killed off in the first five fucking minutes, man. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I mean, I, mean, I think, to be fair, um, a lot of that film was sold on the backside of Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And in fairness, Margot Robbie certainly gives it her all and she's you know she is good she is she is one of the highlights of yeah. it you know i thought i thought will smith was all right then if i'm honest I his thought hat he was at the beginning um was probably i felt his best acting performance in a while <laughs> he, only will smith could wear that hat <laughs> but you know everybody else is forgetful it's, it's, yeah it's, well it's, you know. it's, just, it's disposable isn't it it's disposable yeah. Yeah, but what I but, don't think is disposable, actually, is his performance in this, because I think he's really, really good in this. Well, I think he's... Because Wallace himself is so... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, he's got he's, a God complex. He has got a God complex, but the thing is, everything is so precise with him. What he says is precise. Yes. If you go, if, if you go back and watch and listen to what he actually said, everything is so precise. Um, it's... Almost, um, you're quite right with what you say about the God Complex. I think it's almost otherworldly, somewhat, because he always he's yes. always looking past what's in front of him. Yes. Um, is he part? Is he a replicant? Is he part replicant? Um, I think you could argue the toss over that. Um, I was speaking to um, Sky from Film Eighty Nine the other yeah. day. Um, and I, we would say, we would just chat, and I said, oh, this is what we're doing next. And his first reaction was, I fucking hated Jared Leto in this film. And I was, really? And he was, yeah, he said, I just couldn't, I didn't like what he was doing, the way he was. But that, so I've obviously gone back now, you know, just to sort of refresh my memory. And I, I think, personally, he's he's perfectly he's perfectly serviceable in, in this. I think he's he's... he's you know, he is what his character, I would imagine, is written on the page. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, yes, he, he, he has artificial elements to him. Um, you know, with his, his, his uh, devices. Is, is he blind? Can he see? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, Vilna, t- uh, in an interview, uh, spoke, he said that he was born blind. Right. So that he said, so from Villeneuve's perspective, he's not a replicant. That he is, that he is born blind. Right. But what he is, he is for me. He's almost like an Elon Musk type character. But yes, that's yeah, that's quite that's quite right. That's quite right. And um, and that's not to say that Elon Musk has a god complex or anything like that. But what when you look at it and the way he, you know, he he is somebody who has. You know, he talks about you know we're only in nine world, other worlds, and yeah. we, you know we, he, he he's got this vision of just becoming this omnipresent father of all beings, yeah. and he refers to the replicants as angels. Yeah, that's right. Which he actually wants, is really, he wants, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants um, he wants to colonize the the uh, uh, the, uh, the worlds, isn't it? You know, he wants yeah. he wants to start up a new race. Um, 
whereas what, what I think what what I think people might not like about Wallace in this film is because he almost comes across as being um, almost trying to be um, almost oriental but, but then oriental influence is quite um, massive within Blade Runner anyway isn't well, it? Yeah it is, it is that Asian it is that Asian sort of again and you, you look at the you know the, the first one where you have the you know the the Chinese the Japanese um, San Francisco you know that that idea yeah. that that sort of explosion of that and you know the the neon lights Techn- and technology the, is yeah, and that, and, yeah and that sort of that dri- that driving thing and you sort of you see him and he is wearing a kimono and his hair is you know it's sort of done in a very very specific way and you know he, he's very much in this you know in the floating zen room yeah. that he's in and it's there is that but what his character does give is this you know this idea that you know this is a man who has lost complete touch with humanity and yeah. he's human yeah that, yeah. that the, 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 this human being has lost his humanity through creating these through these other he's created or he's you know re, you know he hasn't created but he's he's in search of this this sort of you know this self this self building yeah. kind yeah. of model yeah. The thing is, he's he's failed almost, hasn't he? In yes. that he can't create life through what he's created. You know, yes. this is why this is why the hunt then for um, the child becomes so aggressive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 what he can't attain to, well, or what he hasn't. It's probably the first time in his life that he's failed. Yes. Yes. You know, and. This is why is the, the search becomes so intense, and um, you know, it's. Um, I think I, I I think he's really good in this. I do. Um, I I just I don't know why he's proven to be such a diverse. Uh, well, I think I, it, I, this is. Oh, I can't even put my teeth in, man. <laughs> um, I think he, he's he's marmite, isn't he? Well, I think it's and I think it's it's fair to say. If your band is a little bit emo, <laughs> you're a bit of an easy target. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose um, because you know. Let's but, be fair. But, we all when look, whenever we I, hear thirty seconds from Mars, there's, there, there is that little bit that just thinks. Oh. Well, yeah, but then I got to be honest. They've released some, some songs. Awesome, of the years. stuff is great. I like. It's I, brilliant. It is good, isn't still, it? This it's like Matthew McConaughey. When people talk about Matthew McConaughey, there is still a, there's, there's a, still a number of people who automatically go, oh. <laughs> and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is another one. Anytime anybody mentions Ethan Hawke, there are, and I, I, I don't get it, there are a number of people who go, and he, he, Ethan Hawke even mentions it um, in an interview when he was in the actor's, inside the actor's studio. When somebody mentions him and he's thought, what are you going to be doing next? And he's, you know, particularly about the time when he did like the modern version of Hamlet. Right, and you know, whenever he mentioned doing that, he just sort of went. People automatically go, "Oh," and roll their eyes. And Jared Leto is this generation's sort of—he is the whipping boy for it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but you know, you're saying about people when they mention certain actors. Um, I've said it repeatedly. Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> just, I don't know what it is. I just. Cannot 
cannot latch on or appreciate. I just can't. I don't know why. If anybody would like to try and explain to me why I don't like Eddie Redmayne, then please contact who. <laughs> I just, I just can't. I honestly just can't. I, I just can't. I, it just doesn't connect. It doesn't. It doesn't connect in any way with me. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, you know, John Leto is, you know, he is very, very divisive. But actually, within the context of this universe, it works. I, I think it works perfectly well. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I, I, like you said, I think the, the, the three short films um, sort of plugging in the gaps. One of them is centered all around him, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 I've, I haven't seen them. I'm aware of them, but I haven't seen them. But um, yeah, I, I, I do wonder sometimes when actors become loaded with awards that the choices tend to be thereafter a little bit off kilter simply because right they're having everything thrown at them isn't it because people yeah. people want them in their films don't they well yeah and, and i mean and i mean it's, some, the, it's like the curse of winning the oscar isn't it it, it is it is you know if, you, if if there's many a reference made to um you know well they followed the next film they made well the classic example of it is harley berry i was about to say yeah she won an oscar for monsters ball monsters ball and then followed up with catwoman (laughs) catwoman catwoman yeah how that (laughs) ever (laughs) ever was thought to be a good idea by anyone. I'm looking. It's not. We're not kicking DC here, right? We're not. But Jesus Christ! Yeah. I yeah. mean, what? Well, you know what, what they were thinking, didn't they? You know, Halle Berry in uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's costume. That's what they were thinking. But what they got was Sharon Stone giving us the you know the the, the biggest slice of you know. Danish bacon that you could possibly get on the stage on screen, just, and then a, a script that made no sense. A director was clearly off his tits on something. <laughs> uh, it just, but, it's just one mess. It's just one big mess. It, it's just ridiculous. At least, at least, Tim Burton's version of Catwoman in Batman Returns knew it was ridiculous, but knew what to do with it. Yeah, but it fitted in the universe, didn't it? it of course, fitted it did. in that universe. Of course, it did. Of course, it did. But uh, I just. Don't get it. Seeing that, mind McConaughey. McConaughey has released a couple of films post Dallas Buyers Club. That you did think, what? Gold. Yeah, gold. Uh, Mud is good. Is good though. Mud is Mud is good. Um, there was that Civil War film he released recently. Oh, um, United States of Blair. I don't. Yeah. Something. I think he's kind of fallen into the idea of, sort of <coughs> if I sort of have some kind of physical transformation. Potentially, but then, but then, saying that, he makes something like Interstellar. Yeah, beautiful you know, film. You know, it gives you a headache, but good film. <laughs> really, no, it's a very, very good film. But oh my god! No, the other person in this, Anna D. Uh, Anna D. Amores, Amores, yes. yes. as Joy is, like you said, she is the beating heart of this film. Yes, and yes. some of her scenes are. So, did their heartbreaking? Well, you know, her her demise then um, 
isn't in a violent way. It no. isn't, um, you know, it, it isn't drawn out, you know, it isn't physical because at the end of the day she's a hologram. Yeah. The thing is, the moment just before she does die, in yeah. effect, the look on her face tells you she knows that she's in trouble. Yeah. And she's terrific. She is terrific. I, I, I must mention, I know we talked about the seamless special effects, right? But the moment Kay wants intimacy, shall we say? Yeah, yeah yes. Right? That, that sex scene, well, it's not a sex scene per se, is it? Well, you don't know but that, yet. But that scene, how they did that is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. It is, it's, you know, you're talking two actresses' performance intertwined almost to to make, um, it's almost Frankenstein, isn't it? Yeah. If you think about it, because the, 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 the two features are mixed, aren't they? Because yeah. she, has the, she has the hair of um, Mackenzie, is Mariette? Mariette? Yes, Mariette, yeah. 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 She has the hair, but the facial features is all... Um, Anna de Ramis, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's, 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 it's incredible how they managed to do that because, yes, they would have said, right, we're going to have you here, so we're going to film you, then we're going to replace you and put you there. And then to do the two together and mash them, well, it's mash-up, isn't it? For yeah, it is huge. Term. Yeah, and, and it's... It's, it's, a huge, it's a huge scene in the film. It is a huge scene in that film. It is, you know, and like the blending of the two together... Um, and again, Ryan Gosling's acting in that scene is 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 incredible because it's yeah. you know he, he doesn't he doesn't have to do a lot with it, but he, you can clearly see he, everything going on behind the behind the eyes. You can see everything going on. Yeah, yeah. you know. I I'll, just to go back, here is a piece of uh, a bit of trivia for you. Go on. Another musician was lined up to play Wallace. All right. Originally, right? Who do you think? I've not looked at the alternative casting in any way, shape, or form into this. So it's ahead. the only one I looked at because it's, it's the first one that jumped out to me, and I thought that would have been that could have been so interesting. Go on, David Bowie. Oh man! Oh man, that could have been. But unfortunately, been... I mean, he was the first choice, but unfortunately, he, he passed away. Right. Wow. Bowie, a lot of people try to get Bowie um, in their films um, preceding his death. Um, yes. James Gunn tried to get him in Guns Galaxy 2. Yeah, I 2. Did, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. He, he tried to get him uh, a role, but uh, he declined, obviously, because of his, of his ill health and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, if you look at Bowie's filmography... Um, well, the most classic example of that is um, the Man of Felt Worth, isn't it? Yeah, the the, the the alien, isn't it? But um, the other one oh, that people sort of look at is Hunger. Have you seen that? The vampire. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, Tony Scott. The Tony Scott. Yeah. See, before okay. his ADHD days. <laughs> yeah, Top Gun two. Mm. Yes, um, and apparently, it's the, I haven't seen a lot of it. But apparently, the story is based around Goose's son. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no. No. I, I could. I could imagine uh, Bowie in that. 
because you know the, the character of Wallace. I, I, I will say this. I, I've, I've always thought that every time I've seen the film, as good as Jared Leto is, perhaps he's a little bit too young for the character. Yeah, I think that's a very. I think that's a valid point. I think that's a valid point. I, I would imagine an older man sort of having this before him. But having said that, you, you made the point of Elon Musk. Elon Musk is both in his 40s, you know, yeah. mid-40s. Yeah, yeah. You know, perhaps perhaps I'm just thinking too narrowly um, regarding what I think something should be. But um, Bowie would have been fascinating because what was the last film Bowie made? Was it The Pledge with Christopher yes. Nolan? Yeah, that was his last one. Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Because he's... He's got that fabulous cameo in Twin Peaks, the fight yeah, walk fight walk with me, yeah. Oh, that I, I remember what I was a huge, well, a huge fan of Twin Peaks. Um, the, when the film came out, and watching the film, and and he just walks into the room, doesn't he? And yes. Like, there's no no explanation at all, and and Lynch is in the scene, isn't he? And he's like, it's uh, it's just fabulous. It's, I love how Lynch's character is always shouting. <laughs> yeah, I love with that. This, with this, this yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say that when you look at the first Blade Runner, you can say that it's wet, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But looking and it, and it's dirty and grimy. But when you look at this film, when you look at twenty forty nine, it's a different kind of dirt. It yeah. goes from that you get that sort of urban wet feel to the cold and the snow mm. and then you get the the desert and some of my favorite scenes in this are the, the, the desert moment and the bit that with the what the scene i love is with the bees yeah in the desert yeah yeah and the fact that this filing cabinet <laughs> as hives <laughs> yeah yeah there's um <laughs> It's, um, I've, tactility to it all. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you see, and, the, and you see the statues. Yes, and yeah. it's that fall. You know, it's the fall of the gods, isn't it? Yeah. You know, La, you know, Las Vegas is held up, isn't it? It's almost like the, the sort of uh, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah of of the world. But it's that sort of the fall. Yeah. And, and what I found really interesting is that the, the, the monuments that remain almost are um, seedy. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And, yeah. that, that, and that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's that sort of, you know, you know what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, isn't it? And it's, but it's that sort of. But then you you get these CD mon these these huge sort of sort of uh, statues to sort of that vice and everything else. But mm. when they're covered in dust and they're decayed and dilapidated, they mm. almost look like people screaming. Mm. And tr- and reaching out of it, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it, it, it's it, it, it's an incre- it's incredible, it's yeah. absolutely, and it just look you you can feel it, you feel it, it's completely immersive. Yeah, and again, it, it just every single shot scene is just uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feast, isn't it? it oh, really, it's, it's, it's it's just it's incredible. It is, really it is, is. incredible. And, and, the crazy thing is, is that you look at Roger Deakins's um, filmography, all the films he's been on. Pretty much every one of those films has like one scene that people sort of latch onto. Um, for example, um, he did the Shawshank Redemption. Never heard of it. 
he did the shot up to the, the yeah uh, up to the skies right he did that uh, he's he's worked I mean, with the assassination of Jesse James. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's people dismiss that film. It is no, a, no it's a brilliant film, it's, and Brad Pitt is excellent in it. It's it's a, a, an amazing film. Um, no Country for All Men. Yeah, you know the, I was going to say the the, the Coen brothers. He did Fargo, didn't he? Yeah, he did Fargo. Um, he did Barton Fink. Yeah, um, you know Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, you know, argue, I'll argue Skyfall is the best Bond film ever made. Oof. It's certainly up there with Her Majesty uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not a huge Bond fan, however, I own Casino Royale and I own Skyfall and that should tell you everything. Yeah. So yes, it's you know, it's it's just with those films they have those iconic shots. Twenty forty nine has I'm dean of those shots. It genuinely, genuinely does. Genuinely yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now, right? I'm looking. We've just finished, obviously, the um, the, the the sort of the the, the hologrammatic um, menage a trois, um, <laughs> but the lighting in that scene in the morning after mm. the lighting in it just. Just a shot of the very, very bare, simple room with the light coming through. Yeah, it's just framed so beautifully. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's remarkable. It really, really is. It really is. Um, I think one thing we haven't sort of discussed in depth, which I think is really quite prominent when discussing the original Blade Runner, is the soundtrack to this. Now, Oof. for whatever for whatever reason, right, Van Gelis wasn't. As far as I'm aware, even approached or asked whether nope. he would be interested in doing it. Nope. Now, I, I, I don't know the reasoning behind that. Um, there probably are reasons, but um, because um, oh, the, the, the Jonas, oh, the, he, he passed away very sadly recently. Um, the guy who did the soundtrack in for Arrival. Yes. Yeah. He was going to do it, but didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, they, 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 they they went elsewhere. Yeah. We say. Yeah. And. Well, um, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And. and uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Walsh Fish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, I think it's safe to say we can all point out the Hans Zimmer part. Yes. You know, the blaring pop. That yeah. happens frequently, which I personally think is brilliant. I really do like this, the score to this. It's not Vangelis. It's got odes to Vangelis. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's very, very prominent um, yes. in the final scene. Yeah, yeah. Very, but, very prominent. But um, I've, I've, I've sort of been curious as to why Vangelis wasn't even considered... Well, but looks like he wasn't even considered. I think... I mean, certain directors obviously have they you know have their favorite uh, musicians to work with i mean yeah um sergio leone and Ennio morricone are just you know are, are completely intertwined together um john john williams and spielberg yeah yeah and i think you know marty scorsese in the rolling stones yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> But I think you know Hans Zimmer obviously has, has worked with Villeneuve on other projects, and yeah, uh, it's um, he's a very I th- people I, people give Hans Zimmer a bit of a tough time actually. 
Um, and I think some of his work is, is I mean, his stuff on, on Inception, his work on yeah. Inception is just amazing. And that sort of, you know, that you get the... Yeah, yeah. And, it just it brings it, it, and it, and in a world in a universe that you're building like the Blade Runner universe uh, you need that yeah um, yeah you do you do um, I know some people don't like the soundtrack to this because again purists will probably point that um, they prefer the Van Gaelic soundtrack so be it if they prefer the Van Gaelic soundtrack yeah um, but me personally, I don't, I see no issue with the soundtrack. Perhaps, no. you know, because I don't have that attachment to it. You know, but that's not to say I don't like the work of Vangelis. No, I, I mean, like the, in the rain from Vangelis that does does pop up. Yeah, you know, it is there, and and then there is that nod to it. But actually, throughout the film, there are sort of little little plinks, little plonks that yeah, that, yeah, that make you feel like you know that they're Ta- talking about music within the film. Um, it. I couldn't figure out what the ringtone for Joy was. Yes, I, I, and I'm still lost on it. I think it's it's from Peter and the Wolf. Makes sense. It's it's from Peter and the Wolf. Um, there's, I, I, I read an article as to why it was in, but I don't want to give anybody headaches as to why he's in there. But yeah, it it, it just it. It, I was like, why, why, why? Have you, it's one of those pieces of music you've probably heard without even realizing that you've heard it. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and it was, I was like, where is it from? Where is it from? But um, yeah, yeah. It's. Um, Do you know what my major gripe for this film is, though? What? The CGI Sean Young. Now, I didn't see it coming. If I'm honest. No, I didn't see it coming first time. No, I didn't. Um, I, I, if you, well, it's, you can see why it's done. It, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it actually gives Harrison Ford a, a good opportunity to show what a good actor he is in that. Scene. Yeah, oh, I mean, he, his performance in that in that scene is absolutely super. Yeah, yeah. But um, as it was as the reveal was happening, I was like, oh, really? They, they going down this route? Because they show from the original film, yes, they, the, yeah. the, the initial meet and conversation, and then Wallace goes on to say, you know, all oh, that was all preordained. You know, we were going to do that. You know, that was done for a reason. And Terrell knew what he was doing, and etc. Yeah. etc. Um, no, but the, the, the CG. We we talked about CGI faces before, and we well, it and fall, and Yeah, I mean, the problem with that, it falls into something called the uncanny valley. Yes, yeah, we did. We 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 went we, we when we were talking about um, oh um, we we mentioned Rogue One, Rogue One, yeah. yeah. And because, and I as I said then, it's I think it's down to the um, eye movements. Um, yeah, you can't, it, it, you can't replicate the you no, can't replicate no. human eye movement um, because your eyes are constantly moving. And um, psychologically, we are pre we have a predisposition to feel uncomfortable with that type of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I do. I, I. I didn't. I can't say I would. Call, it, it wasn't. Um, it didn't look good. It did look good. It did, and you know, as an effect, it's it, it is seamless and it's flawless. Yeah. But for, me, I don't know. I, it, it's just the one little bit with that kind of just sort of. Like, oh, mm, yeah, I, 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 I do understand that. I do understand what you're saying there. I really do. I really do. Um. But if it, when you when you in the, it put it into context, um, it 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 works. 
it does work. Or within the grand scheme of the film, it works. It does work. Yeah, very much like the aforementioned Rogue One. Those those sequences do work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they are slightly disconcerting or jarring. Yeah, but they do work. Yeah. But, um, no, I I, th- I think the, I think the line her eyes were green. Yeah, delivered superbly. But only Harrison Ford could deliver that line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Harrison Ford has got the sort of the quiet, grumpy old man yes. delivery perfect. Yes. And, but what's interesting, obviously, the actress who plays who's who who was there for like the the motion capture for Sean Young is an actress called uh, uh, Lorraine Petter. Yeah. And Sean Young actually worked with her. She did the voice, didn't she? No, she didn't. It was a voiceover. Sean Young's Sean's Sean Young's voice in that scene was done by somebody who sounded like Sean Young. The only in the only part that Sean Young actually did um, was she helped her with the physicality of it, and that was it. That was thought, that. That was thought, it. I thought she did the voiceover no, as no, well. No, it's somebody who it's a vo- it's somebody who's, who's doing it. Who, um, is who sounds very very much like her. No. So instead of just hiring Sean Young. They hired somebody. Because the other thing as well, mind you, Sean Young is a lot older. Yes. And her voice is a lot deeper now. Yeah. But she's actually credited as being in the cast. Yeah, she has got a credit in it. Um, but it was a voiceover. Oh, right. right. I, I always thought that it was her voice. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it, when you sort of introduce the... Um, well, it's, it's the Elvis um, impersonator, the, the Marilyn impersonator, yeah. the Barachi impersonator. Yeah. You know? um, whilst we wouldn't see that as being an un- uncommon thing, would yeah. we? Yeah, 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 of course we wouldn't, yeah. But the thing is, because that scene and how it's done with, you know, the, it flickering in and out, yeah. you know, and it's swapping and, you know, that's that's by the by, that's just background, isn't it? But to wouldn't that to sort be a of, hell of a show to go and see, though? <laughs> You're in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a hell of a show to see. Yeah. Have we ever seen um Um The Liberace film Under the Candelibra by Steven Soderbergh? No, no. With Michael Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, Douglas. no, I haven't seen it, no. It is absolutely brilliant. It genuinely brilliant. Michael Douglas is absolutely brilliant as Liberace. Genuinely. Yeah, I mean Liberace is a very interesting character anyway. Yeah, and there are not a lot of things shied away from, shall we say. And that, unbelievably, that was made for American television, but released cinematically in this country. Yeah. But if you get if you get your hands, like, just put away um, zombie whatever film you've got lined up next, right? Just get a watch under the candelabra because it is genuinely brilliant. It is a brilliant film. Absolutely brilliant film. Uh, now, I think we need to bite the bullet. The ending. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. What did you think of the ending? I thought, again, it looked amazing. Um, yeah. I don't think Kay is dead, if I'm right. honest. Um, I, I don't... There's nothing said in the final scene, is it, other than she, the, when... Anna turns and says, I'll be with you shortly. Yeah. And she turns and walks towards him. 
I don't know where it was done purposely, perhaps to be ambiguous. Yeah, that the recognition would automatically be there. Yeah. Um. So from that respect, um, you just leaving it again. You make letting the adults make their own minds up over that. Um. But I thought it was brilliantly. It, it, it just Harrison Ford could could see he's clearly um, emotional. Yeah. Over, you know, ultimately meeting his daughter for the first time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think I'm being... What is wrong with me today? <laughs> just look, just stop drinking before you come on. We've talked about this before. <laughs> you got me off my tits and painkillers. You're hammered. <laughs> I have thought that at all. I just, I can't get my words out. I don't know what it is. He's um, been sat here and he's drunk pint after pint after pint. <laughs> it's like watching, you know, you know, he's like a, like, I don't know, the undead Wookiee's version of Johnny Vegas on uh, Shooting Stars where he just <laughs> used to sit there and get hammered. Uh, yeah, the only thing I'm drinking is water. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. He, he says. He, he says, says. Yeah. No, um, and that's what I've sort of interpreted in, in that. I don't know about yourself. For me, I think, I, I mean, I love how it ends. I love how it ends. I think that is a, just, I think that's just an awesome ending. But for me, I think Kay does die. And the reason why I think he dies is because of, and it goes back to, um, like, I, I don't think you need to have seen the original to see this film and appreciate it. But what you've got, you have the parallels between Roy Batty and Kay. Right. And you've got, obviously, you've got the famous Tears in the Rain speech in the original. Yeah. And you've got in both, both characters are looking up. And, in the, and you've got the rain falling on Batty in the original. And on this one, you've got snow falling on Kay. So you yeah. both have this the, the sort of, you know, the idea that there's water involved. You know, the, 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 there is the, the sort of, the, they've got the water falling on them there. And then you've got the, they've got the Vangelist music, the music itself, the, the piece of music is called Time to Die. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but in the same way that Batty achieves his humanity in the first one, by doing something incredibly human. Yeah. Kay has achieved and sort of, he, he sort of, not surpasses his humanity, but he surpasses the humanity of the world that he is living in at that moment in time. Yeah, I can, yeah, in I, can that, I can, you know, I can see that, yeah. He's dying, but what he has done is he has, you know he's you know he's done he's done everything right yeah you know because you know let's not forget that the resistance want to kill deckard That's and the right. reason they, the, the reason why they want to take him is it's a very cold and emotionless decision because if they kill him they sever all ties to them yeah yeah but where but what k or joe and that's interesting isn't it that he takes a name he takes a proper name yeah but then when we go back to the aforementioned um, sequence post him leaving the resistance and he sees the ad, the joy advert. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this, this one that doesn't know him, that doesn't recognize him. Every male is referred to as a Joe. Yeah. 
but then she actually says hey joe at one point to him you know yeah in that. to get really fucking complicated and sort of it goes back we go back to that idea of sort of um it answers the question what is humanity do we have any free will because yeah. actually some people would argue that because of um, social media, because of advertising and marketing and the fact that we are continually bombarded with everything around us, everything that we do is driven by... Yeah. The, is, it, we are funneled to make these very, very specific choices in our lives, yeah. which in some ways then throws in... goes, And this is where, you know, we, we get into like the aerobarous... Uh, argument of like the snake and the you know constantly eating its tail and we go round and round and we never get out of it is yeah. that K is probably is just as human as everybody else because he is not being able to make any of the decisions in the same way that that any human character cannot make any decision for themselves. He's an average Joe. There we go. Perfect. You've just managed to sum you know sum up what I was trying to say with those those few words with my forty. It's it it is, it's a perfect. He is an average Joe, exactly. In the same way, Deckard is the average Joe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in yeah, the I, in that I, way. Yeah. yeah, that's that's great. That's right. That is. You know, and we've got the like the you know you've got the oppressor and oppressed <coughs> model. You know, you've got this idea that you've got this state oppression going on, that you've well, got the replicants that are, they're oppressed. Yes, they're they're they're, they're, they're slaves. Yeah, they're modern slaves, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And yet, but, and so they're rising up against that. But even then, they've created their own hierarchy. Uh-huh. And even that hierarchy itself is oppressive. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's extremely multi-layered. Extremely multi-layered. Um, hence why I'm not, I'm, I'm not bogged down like the aforementioned law yeah, associated yeah, 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 to... Yeah. The Blade Runner universe, so I can give my my thoughts not independently because, of course, I've seen the original film. Yes, which versions still, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which which versions, you know, uh, a theatrical final the, the version Ridley forgot about, you know, whatever. Well, I um, reckon you know he's do we do another version and we very very soon <laughs> because he's clearly going to be skint after. Well, I, this is something I wanted to bring up. Um, it was a bit of a, um, I don't know whether you're aware of it, but Ridley, Ridley Scott complained that he thought that this was too long. <laughs> um, Mr. Scott, uh, I have a phone call for you. Uh, it's the cauldron. <laughs> I mean, I, I found that a, a, a little bit of a... Uh, Back a strange. But it's a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, and apparently then, um, reading further, there was a slight disagreement between Villeneuve and Scott um, that, as far as I'm concerned, in 2049, Deckard is human. Yes, I think as that's, far that, as I'm concerned, I could see you a point on that. For me, he's yeah. not right. Ridley Scott tried to argue the fact that no, he's not. He's a replicant, right? Yeah. And Denis Villeneuve went, "Well, fuck you. This is my film. Your name will <laughs> be on. Yeah. Your name. Your name is going to be on the poster. At the end of the day, this is my vision of what yeah. I see this film as being." And then he, then he came out then and complained that he thought the film was too long. Now, I haven't seen Kingdom of Heaven. I love Kingdom of Heaven. It's a great film, but, but it's, it's the an director's, number. Yeah, the, the director's version is something like three and a half hours. Yeah, it's three and a half hours. Yeah. Now, 
it's a certain certainly a little bit of irony as well considering that the man re-released the same film five six, seven <laughs> times over when he couldn't make his mind up as what the definitive cut was you know it's yeah just, yeah i think it's a little bit it's a little bit um rich. sour grapes possibly you know i wouldn't like to... because i think it's you know let's be fair when blade runner came out first of all people did not like that film no, and it was. It took. It took a, 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 a lot of retrospective, didn't it? Um, mm. Some some people came out from the from the off and loved it. Others didn't. Um, and it tanked. But, it tanked. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this did. This didn't. Well, you know, I don't. I don't think it's been seen as a massive success, is it? Which, I mean, it's made his money back. Critically, it's yeah, acclaimed. It's made, You know, it's, yeah. it's got that. Do you know? I think it. I think. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, I don't know. It's um, it's a strange one with films, isn't it? Because nobody knows what's going to be a surefire hit. Because um, ultimately, there you you have your audiences. Yeah, uh, you have your audience for each market: the yes. horror market, the sci-fi, comedy, uh, rom-com. You know, those audiences yeah. are there. They, they, they're automatically there. Um, but predicting what, what what people want to see, there's no better example of this. Of predicting what people think that they want to see is, for example, the Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, right. Some people loved it, some people hated it, and Ryan Johnson is now the Antichrist as a result of it. Well, this is—I mean, people, people uh, call yeah. for it to be remade. Oh, that's just that's just nonsense. That's just somebody. That's just somebody being silly. If you if you can if you if you can see somebody independently remaking that film with two hundred million in their ass pocket, rubbish. It's nonsense. What 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 I think is because it's changed what people thought they knew. They don't like it. No, no. Is the long and the short of it? That well, is play, the long and the short. You play with like uh, people do not like change. And that, no, that, that, the people no. don't like change, and people don't like <clears throat> things that will play with your will play with your perception of something. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, people do go into felt go into go into some, watch something. I'm guilty of it uh, with a predisposition for something. Yeah, we, we all do it, um, whether consciously or unconsciously, isn't it? Um, but again, I think with this in, this in point. It never had the original, like you say, the original Blade Runner never had its audience to begin with. It grew no, that no. audience, yes. And subsequently, when it's been re-released in the cinema for, for the forty-eighth time, it's had people. <laughs> it's not, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. had people going, isn't it? I, I mean, it's this. Um, I think at the moment there's a secret cinema. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Blade Runner run doing the, the rounds at the moment. It's, it's done extreme, ex- exceptionally well by all accounts. Yeah. But. Going back to 2049, I just think I personally would like to see another um, Blade Runner film made by Denis Villeneuve. Yes. Whether that will happen, I don't think so. I think, especially with Dune on the horizon, and he's already he's, he's already come out and said that it's going to have to be two films. Yeah, well, all, like- I, all, all, all I will say to him is, Good luck on that one, <laughs> because it, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be sci-fi like you've never seen before in order for that. Yeah, and I mean, it's Dune is not an easy sell, but then Blade Runner isn't an easy sell, and no. I think 
And I, I, you know, I, I, there was a brilliant, and I remember I was reading through some of the, the, the reviews for it, right? Uh, for this. And my favorite uh, line, my favorite line from the review was by a guy called uh, Robbie Collin who writes in The Guardian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he writes the line, it's the most profound blockbuster of our time. And actually, I agree with that. I do think for a, you know, this is, you know, this is a big studio film. Well, there was three studios involved. Yeah. Three, three, yeah. four studios. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it was Warner Brothers, um, Sky Sony. Pictures and Sony. Sony. Yeah. 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 Um, I was quite surprised not to see Scott Free involved with it. I know you're the executive producer. Yeah credit but i was rather surprised at that i know i know ridley scott has his own again has his own audience and people want to see the films that he makes and you know he's constantly working isn't he? he's constantly churning films out like you know but i mean he's the guy the guy's in his bloody 80s as well isn't he? yeah yeah he's, he's kicking on a bit yeah but you know his his his, his, his hunger is still there you know and I, I don't know. I, I I don't know why. Perhaps he may be dismissive of it. Is it? Is it because it's, as far as I am concerned, the better of the two films? I think you know what. I think in some ways this. It, I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine has the advantage of having that that audience now grown for it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, what you you put somebody like Villeneuve in charge. Yeah. You then put. Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, in it. Mm. Now, people, despite you know the fact that Harrison Ford has made some dog shit films, at you know at times, dog shit, and you know the last Indian, you know his last out in as indie, just it never really happened. You know, it, it it was not great by any you know the beef. Um, he kind of was dire in it, yeah. um, and it didn't work. It just didn't work on any level. It didn't work. But yet, the force, the Force Awakens did. Yeah, and there's and people want to see Harrison Ford in those roles. Yeah, you know. Let's be fair. When I watched the Force Awakens and saw him walk oh. back onto the screen as Han Solo, he was just like. Oh, this is Han Solo is back. Yeah. Han Solo is on screen. I am watching Han Solo. And when he died, I actually, and you know, even though I suspected it was coming, <laughs> there was still a moment where my wife kind of checked over on me to see if I was crying or not. A true story. The day it was released, we had tickets booked. The family went, we all went together. And all day I avoided everything. I I, I could all day. I didn't cure anything. Went to the cinema. I think it was in the afternoon. I texted my wife and I said, I bet you Han Solo dies in this film. And we were sat there and the moment happened. My daughter cried. My wife cried. And I was <laughs> sat there. My, the thoughts going through my, yeah. my mind was, I fucking guessed it. <laughs> I can't believe it. But no, I still love the film. I thought it was brilliant. But, I've said you know, it before. But, uh, you see, you know, and he's Deckard, and people want to see Deckard. 
Yes. They want yeah. to see Deckard and they want to see Harrison Ford and they want to see him in these iconic roles. Yeah. So there's already that inbuilt audience for it. And then yeah. you put all those things together and you have, and you know, and you let's, you know, let's not forget the supporting cast in this is superb. It um, is. Uh, you know, uh, Robin Wright is absolutely magnificent in this and she does not get enough credit, I don't think, as an actress. I think she's outstanding. Um, she is, she's brilliant. Ryan brilliant. Gosling is is superb. Harrison Ford is superb. Anna D. Amaris, Dave Batista. No people again. People go oh, WWE Guardians. Dave Batista gives a brilliant performance in this. Yes, he, he is. And as we said earlier, you know, his it, 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 his performance dictates everything that happens later in the film. You know, his presence. Uh, you know, and I, I think I I can't think of anything a better compliment than that. You know, Sylvia Hoax as love is terrifyingly menacing in this she is she, she is, is you know she's the type of person that you would see and cross the road well that's the thing isn't it when you first see you you never think of it as a physical um threat of, of, a physical threat or as, or as a physical presence no, would you? No. you know you would never ever think it but she's just brilliant you know the, and the, there's the, a, the supporting cast is superb there's it a superb. you know there's the fight with her and ryan gosling and there's a bit where she throws a kick um, and it's a high head kick, and you can, st- and it's so well choreographed because Ryan Gosling's head snaps back, mm. and you know, having been kicked like that myself, <laughs> you go, you you just think, ow, yeah, that's, yeah. you feel it, yeah. and then at the same time, where she stabs him and kisses him, mm. you think you're crazy, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, no, that's a whole I, I, basket of crazy. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's tremendous. It's, it's tremendously good. It and really McK- is. And Mackenzie um, Davis is excellent in this. Mackenzie Davis is excellent yeah. as Marionette. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, ma- uh, ma- yeah, yeah. Well, one thing to, to take because we've been talking a long time now. Uh, two hours, nearly. <laughs> Chris is almost as long as the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we. I think we both would, would like to see another Blade Runner. But oh, it would have you. to be. It would have to be the same team. It's the same be, people it's involved. Gotta, it's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. I, 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 I don't know. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. If I'm honest. No. Um, I, I think that films, these especially these days, films that make money have to make obscene amounts of money to be classed as a success. Yes. Um, well, it's, it's, it amazes me that people sort of go back about the Marvel, when they talk about the, some of the Marvel films, the, the last one uh, not being as, you know, it, record. It's made, it's made over $2 billion worldwide. It's a success. But the thing is, when you look at, if you want to use Marvel as an example, Marvel haven't had a miss as such, have they? No. Not no really. And even the less, even, you know, I, I think people sort of, Got a bit sort of arsey about Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. But that, that made a fucking I got, shit ton of money. I guarantee you, if I, we, we were to look at the box off that, you're probably looking at 400 million minimum, right? Yeah, it, it made money. That is, not, that is not a failure. No. That is not a failure. Failures, and I'm just going to use two examples to just show you what I see as crazy. Failures are films that cost, for example, let's say 35 million quid and make quarter of a million quid back 
Yes, I am talking about Southland Tales. Right? Yeah, or Soldier. Soldier, nearly a hundred million that didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't even get released in the cinemas in the UK. Do you know what? I watched that the other night. It was on. Um, oh, what was it on? I think it was on like the Sci-Fi Channel, sort of late on, and I sort of you know just flicked over and I watched about you know the first about forty minutes of it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the other side of the coin, you're looking at um, Solo, Star Wars story. You know, yeah. a, f- a film that is made. I think it's coming up to four hundred million worldwide. Is is being classed as a box office failure because it is a Star Wars film that is not connected in any way, shape, or form with the people who ordinarily will go and watch a Star Wars film. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, there's probably a hundred different reasons as to why that is. Well, we won't we get are. into that because Ant Man was made for 130 million. Yeah. It made 500 million back. There you are then. There you are. I rest my case. How can that be seen as a financial failure? It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. And coming back to 2049, I just don't think we we would we will see another one. Um which is a bit of a crying shame considering how good this film is. Yeah. Does it what does it warrant a sequel? Perhaps not. Um because, well, I, yeah, well there's, there's two sides to that coin, isn't there? There's the ambiguity of it, which is just Yeah. Oh what happened yeah. next? Yeah. And then there's but, the what happened next? Yeah, but then there's 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 the well do we need to see what happens yeah. next? Yeah. Do we yeah. just leave that film alone as it is? Yeah. Because um, I, I, I disagree with you slightly that you, you wouldn't have had to see the first Blade Runner to, to appreciate the second. Um, I do think you would have to see the first one, if I'm honest. But then... I think it helps. It yes. helps. Yeah, yeah. But then, like I say for me personally, I look at this as a standalone film and as a standalone film of, of, more, of, of late, you know, you're not going to get much better. No, no, really, no. Really, really not. It's it's just a stunning, stunning piece of work. It genuinely yeah. is. Yeah. Right. Here we go. What's your score? Nine and a half out of ten. Oh, do you know what? That is exactly what I have written down. It nine is and nine a half. and a half out of ten. I think, and I've said this about other films previously, I do think hey, this, this film does get better every time you watch it. Yeah, come come back in ten years' time, and you'll still be saying that, that this film is should be revered. Yeah, oh, and I think it, and I think the line of it is the most profound box box office uh, film of our time. I think that's right. I think it's, it asks yeah. so many, so many questions and delivers on so many different on so many levels. Yeah. I, I don't th- I don't think anybody predicted it would be this good i don't think anybody no um you, you, you look at your core talent you look at the people involved you look at it and you think oh there's 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 you know there's hope there you know yeah. there's there's a there's a massive there's a massive lot there's, there's loads of pluses there and you know if that that is done right then goodness me what are we gonna have isn't it yeah yeah completely and completely I, I i honestly think we didn't anticipate what the end result is, you know, which is, it, you know, arguably one of the greatest films released in the last 10 years, perhaps. I think so. I think so. You I know, think so. 
don't get me wrong, it's been umpteen classic. Well, I've got to be honest, 2017 was, was a fantastic year for cinema. It was a great year. Some of the films released, you know, like um, we did Get Out, didn't we? Yeah. Get Out was my film of last year. You had this. Um, Arrival? No, Arrival was. Was it 2000? Oh, 2030, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dun- Dunkirk, um, Baby Driver, uh, Wonder Woman, you know, they're the, they're the ones that just off the top of my head for 2017. Fantastic films, all of them. But Yeah. But I, I think if you if you were to go back in ten years' time and relook at it, and then out of the out of those ten, probably, um, I would probably say that Dunkirk will probably still stand the test of time. Get Out is going to be timeless. And yes, see that already. You know, there. I do think Blade Runner twenty forty nine is going to start. It live reliving its own life constantly. It's just yeah. I think you're right there. Remarkable film remarkable so after two hours i don't think we've just barely scratched the surface yeah um this won't be two hours going out though <laughs> there's gonna might be, be some... a little bit in the middle that comes yes up. yes um, as always sir it's been emotional i'm exhausted <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i'll speak to you soon take care my brother and once again I want to say thank you for Leighton for being on always a pleasure never a chore (laughs) now ladies and gentlemen it is time for What the Wookiee Watched and up first we have got The Slayer let's check out the trailer what you're about to see may shock you it may frighten you more than you've ever been frightened before Don't worry, it's only a maddening, horrifying nightmare. Or is it? What are you gonna do? Fire some flares. Did you give her the pills like I told you? Maybe it's not a nightmare after all. Just some phenobar. No. It's for your own no. good, Kay. No, no. You better not you get to sleep. No, you don't. The Slayer. There's nothing up here. Are they really alone, or is there an unwelcome guest? <laughs> I love a good 80s horror trailer, and that's right up there with them. We are talking The Slayer, not the band Slayer, as in Rainblood. No, we are talking The Slayer from 1982, and it's a 
the story essentially. You got uh, siblings, Eric and his surreal sister. Um, surreal sister? Yeah, she's a little bit surreal. She's a bit odd. She's a surreal artist. Um, Kay and her doctor husband, David, along with her sister-in-law, take themselves off to a deserted island for a weekend getaway. But unfortunately, Kay has been suffering these uh, horrific uh, nightmares of some kind of creature um, or some kind of murders that have been taking place in some horrible, vile, evil way. And uh, her dreams suddenly start becoming a reality. Um, this was directed by J.S. Carradine from his own screenplay, uh, along with Bill Ewing, who wrote that. Not uh, Bob Ewing or J.R. Ewing, but a <laughs> Bill Ewing. Uh, I don't think he's any relation whatsoever. It stars Sarah Kendall, Frederick Flynn, Carol Kath, uh, Kattenbrook, Alan, and Alan McRae. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Been a long day. Voices on its way out. Um, really, really enjoyed this one. Um, ended up on the video nasty list, uh, oddly enough, here in the UK. Um, there is some really grisly moments in it. It's got... Um, it, if you go into this expecting some kind of out-and-out out blood and guts and go, you're going to be disappointed. Um it builds attention nice and slow. It does have very gory moments. Um, some of the acting is a little bit sort of... You, it could have quite easily fitted into the Hallmark channel, uh, you know, if they'd cut out a bit of the gore and things. I really enjoyed this film. Um, Arrow have got a fantastic release out there with some fantastic special features. It's a great, great Blu-ray. I love it. Um, and I would give this one a 7 out of 10. Okay, up next we have got Dogged from 2018. Let's check out the trailer. Islander? Yep, born and raised. Present your folks? A funeral, actually. Mum said Megan fell from the cliffs. How sad that so young a person should lose her life in coming to the aid of a lowly animal. Stop staring. They've been through enough already. I still don't know what she was doing out there, Father. I signed the death certificate myself. A horrible business. Barely recognisable. Sorry. No, I am. I'm sorry you left me here. This island is your family. What more would you need? There's nothing we can do. Police aren't interested in us. We're just transients. Oh, darling, there's no need to get anyone else involved. We islanders can handle our own problems. I don't want any part of this.
That, ladies and gentlemen, was the trailer for Dogged from 2018. Now, Dogged was written and directed by Richard Roundtree, and it stars Sam Saunders, Toby Wynn Davis, Deborah Lee Taylor, Philip Ridout, and Tony Manders. When 10-year-old Megan Lancaster meets a grisly and untimely end, Sam returns to the remote island where he grew up to attend the funeral. A testing relationship with his parents, a reunion with a strange, this is his estranged girlfriend, and a cryptic message from the island's doctor forces Sam to investigate the events leading up to Megan's tragic death. Now, this is a uh, very, you know, it's a low-budget, independent film. Um, and you know here at the Undead Wookiee, we are big supporters of independent horror and, because it's, it's it's vital that, you know, everybody gets a start somewhere and it keeps the industry propped up. You know, we get some, you know, if we all went, uh, you know, if we relied heavily on blockbusters, we wouldn't, you know, we would, lots of our classic films that we love would never, ever make it. Um, Dogged is very, very much in the vein of The Wicker Man. Um, it has that isolated, slow burn feel to it. The cast give great performances. Um, this is Richard Runtree's, um directorial debut, his feature directorial debut, and he handles it well. Um, is it perfect? No, I don't think it is perfect. I think um, it probably could have done with some more judicious editing. Um, however, um, it has got a really strong cast, um, it's got some, some some shocking moments in it. It's got some genuinely frightening moments. I really, really enjoyed this one. It is available on Amazon. It is also available uh, in, on Apple iTunes in the US. And I believe you can actually, you know, um, it is available now from the 9th of July. So check that one out. It is well, well worth it. So that is Dogged from 2018 and uh, for me it was a 7 out of 10. Okay, up next we have got I Kill Giants from 2017. Let's check out the trailer. Gift of new. Gift of old. Bless the righteousness, guide my hand against the darkness, my final stand. Barbara, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Do you have many friends? What about your sister? I play your dragons or whatever if you ask me to. That would be hilarious. What are you doing? What's it for? There's some serious stuff going down. I find giants, I hunt giants, I kill giants. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Dark omens are totally cool. A giant comes to the place and takes everything from you. And when it's done, it's like anything that made your life good was never even there. Giants aren't real. I know that no one likes me. I know that everything I do looks crazy. This isn't real. You're not listening to me! This giant is coming! We're gonna save this town. There are times where you have to ask yourself, do I want to live my life as a coward? Or a warrior? 
Okay, that was the trailer for I Kill Giants from 2017. I Kill Giants was directed by Anders Walter. It was written by Joe Kelly, based on the graphic novel uh, by J.M. Ken Nimura and Joe Kelly. It stars Madison Wolf, Zoe Salander, Imogen Poots, Sidney Wade, Rory Jackson, Alana O'Connor, um, and Noel Clark also makes an appearance in this. Now, this is a story that centres around the life of Barbara Thornton, played by Madison Wolf. Now, she's a teenage girl who escapes the realities of a troubled school and family life by retreating into a magical realm, fighting evil giants, colossal monsters who attack her and a quiet little town. Um, this is a wonderful film um i found it really really moving really touching slightly change of pace for us here at the undead wookie um however that's not always a bad thing the cast here is superb madison uh wolf is absolutely fantastic in this she is so good really 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 good um and i really enjoyed sydney wade as her friend uh, sophia um, Zoe Salander gives a great performance and it's nice to see her doing something, you know, obviously famous for Guardians of the Galaxy, but I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, it has got some, it's, you know, this, this is, you know, a smaller budget film. However, the special effects in this are handled really, really well. Um, like I said, the cast, um, the cast performance is a central and key to this. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, like I said, it's a change of pace. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, but I really, really did. Um, it's touching. It's moving. It's funny. Um, it's got some, you know, it's got some really, you know, tense moments in this. Um, the effects, uh, the special effects in this are are pretty top draw. I, I was very, very impressed with it. Um, and I would give this, um, I would say, it's a seven and a half out of ten. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Our time here at the Undead Wookiee draws to an ear. That's right. I know it's flown by, and uh, it's been a fair, it's been a it's a it's been a long old uh, episode. This one, I think, it's fair to say. But before we go, uh, I would be remiss not to give shout outs to, of course, Kijit Von Leroux over at uh, Retro Movie, alongside her podcasting partner in crime, Angry Man. Uh, C.L. Raven, our glamorously gothy gal pals. Now, they're going to be joining me very, very soon, and we are going to be discussing Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Looking forward to that. Make sure that you're checking out their radio show on Vitalize Radio. Get yourselves over to Raven Retreat. You can follow them on Twitter. You can follow them on Instagram. They're everywhere. Of course, my man, Jay Prowse. You can find Jay over at Twitter at Ferdy Fenich. You know, make sure you're checking out his writing and his blog. He's got some stuff up on um, Dread Central, um, and he's contributed to VH... Uh, S Revival, of course. We want to say hello to CJ over at VHS Revival. Um, okay, we want to say a big shout out to Al and Jeff over at Cadavercast. Amazing father and son uh, team. Uh, great, great podcast. I love it. It's great. Absolutely superb. And you can hear Al at the end of every single one of our episodes signing us off. Of course, Darren Hall over at Alt Movies. Loving it. Keep it up. Keep up the work on Instagram. We've got Paul Hayden over at Schlock Horror. Another great blog, guys. Great reviews. Um, top bloke who's been on the show and we'll get him back on soon. And of course, 
Peter, Mr. Peter Nielsen, over at uh, Retro Movie Geek. Now, Peter's been on before, and we've got fingers crossed we're going to get him back on soon, and we're possibly going to be looking at maybe something like Extro or something like that. Um, and, of course, you can listen to Peter and uh, over at Retro Movie Geek alongside Daryl and Joel. You can follow Daryl on uh, Twitter at The Voice 123 um, and you can also read some of Peter's writing up at ForgottenFlix.com. He's, he, he, honestly, he's got some really, really good uh, sort of mini-reviews up there. Um, and of course, we want to say uh, a big shout out to the Horror Movie Podcast. You know, we've got Dave Dr. Shock Becker over there. You can follow him at, over at uh, Twitter on Dr. Shock. Um, we've got Jay of the Dead. You've got Wolfman Josh. You can follow uh, Josh Legary over at Icarus Arts. And of course, Gregor Mortis is back over at Land of the Creeps. Guys, go check out these two fantastic, fantastic horror movie podcasts. Really, really good. Once again, I want to say thank you to Mr. Leighton Winston for being on with us. And ladies and gentlemen, all that's left for me to say is, in the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night out there, whatever you are. from Cadavercast. You've been listening to the Undead Wookiee. The back